Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. You need to understand very clearly, each one of us is given the blessing of God, the blessing of salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit within the life of every believer. He's the seal, he's the down payment of God into our lives. He's been placed within our lives to equip us and to empower us to do the work of the master, to be the believer, to be the witness and the testimony for Christ that every one of us are called to be. The great question that's before each one of us today is, if the master returned today, Would he find that we've been faithful to the gifts and the callings that he's given us? God has offered his salvation to each of us. His grace and his mercy have been given to all his children equally. No one has received more than the other. However, in today's study, Pastor David will talk about how differently each one may manage, grow, and multiply what they have received. Some may bear much fruit and others not so much, even though they've received all the same seed to begin with. Our master will return soon. Have we been faithful with what we've been given? Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, A Life Rewarded or Wasted. And here's what this guy did. Not as much as the other guy. But he's still not too shabby, not too bad of a work. Even the king was pleased with this one's, again, his commitment, his investments. Now you need to see, at this one, he didn't say, well done, good servant. But he did bless him. He did reward him. The king was pleased enough with this man's faithfulness in caring for the king's resources and blessings that he was rewarded, and he was rewarded proportionate to the increase that he made for the king. Now we come to that third servant. Look at verse 20. Then the other one came, another came, saying, Master, here's your mina, which I've kept put away in a handkerchief, because I feared you, because I knew that you were an austere man. You collect what you do not deposit, and you reap what you do not sow. Wow. The servant, again, he had received the exact same thing as all the other servants. Every one of them received one mina. There's no word in this parable of there being any kind of a problem, any less of a capability within this man's life. He simply chose to not be faithful in what the master had called him to do. He particularly chose that he was not going to do business with it. And apparently he was fearful of failure at this point in time afraid that he would not be able to to be of any profit to the master? We don't know. We do know, I believe, that there was a fear just from the words that he used, and those words caused him not to move forward. And beloved, the same thing happens to you and I. Whatever the cause of fear might be in our lives, it'll stabilize us. It'll keep us from moving. It'll keep us from 
prospering. It'll keep us from going forward in the kingdom because we're afraid we're going to make a mistake. We're afraid we're going to say the wrong thing. We're going to do the wrong thing. We're going to commit to the wrong thing. And rather than seeking the leadership of the Holy Spirit within our lives, we stay, again, paralyzed. The Lord has gifted us. The Lord has blessed us. And yet we're not using those blessings for his kingdom's sake. Perhaps we're fearful because of what the world will say or what the world will do. Ron is going to share with his Wednesday night some things about persecution. But the fact is, you and I don't know persecution here. We really do not know persecution. Oh, we might have a family member or a friend or a coworker that says, oh, you're one of those. Then we go away with our head bowed down because we've been persecuted for Jesus. No, we don't know what persecution truly is. For this one, what was his fear? What was the reason he took what the Lord had given him and rather than use it, he just hid it in the dirt and figured, well, at least I'll have that. Well, that's not what the master told him to do. That was not moving in obedience. That was not moving in faithfulness. And so rather than an award, This man now actually receives nothing, and even what he has is taken away. Look at verse 22. And the master said to him, out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit, reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put the money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? Then the master said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to him who has 10 minas. But they said to him, master, he already has 10 minas. Then in verse 16, a little commentary on the whole thing. He says, for I say to you that to everyone who has will be given and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Now here, church, is where we need to be very careful. We need to be very careful. We need to be very discerning of what the scripture is saying here. When we begin to pull together the fullness of the interpretation of the parable and its application, let's not say more than what Jesus said and let's not lessen the impact of what he did say. I believe it's very easy, very straightforward, and very correct to first understand very clearly that just as we've said before, there's two categories of people here that the Lord is dealing with. That first group, they are servants of the king. Can we agree upon that? The first group, they were all servants of the king. I believe that these are believers. I believe that they are followers of Christ. Then they are the other ones, the citizens, those who hated him, those that sent a delegation after him saying, we're not gonna have this man reign over us. I think it's pretty clear at that point in time that those who continue to turn their backs to the call of the gospel message, they continue to reject Jesus as Lord and King of their lives. They are the ones who are the unsaved who continue to reject the Lord in their lives. And when the Lord comes back, again, he will do judgment with them. I believe that we can look at the citizens and with their hatred of the king, with their stand against keeping him from reigning over, I believe that we can agree agree together, these are the unsaved. So you have two groups. You have the believers or the saved and then the non-believers, the lost. 
And again, when we get to all this, we'll look at the reward of the haters, but let's look first at these servants. Let's look at the ones who are the servants of the king. The first servant, he was faithful with what the Lord had given him. There's no doubt about it. What he received to begin with, it wasn't very much, and it was no more than anyone else. Everyone received exactly the same. All of the servants received exactly the same. Personally, I believe that the manna that was given to each one of the servants, it represents the hope and the message of the gospel. I believe that it represents the truth of salvation, but not necessarily salvation itself, and I'll explain that in a moment. Each one of the master's servants received the same. It wasn't measured by any kind of a merit, but it was measured by the grace of the master for each one of his servants. And what we see here is this first man now being faithful to execute with passion and with persistence a way of incorporating God's grace in every area of his life. With that man, there was this love for, there was this obedience to the Lord that showed in every area of his life. The gift that the Lord had placed in his life was cherished by this man, and it was exercised to the point that it truly bore much fruit within his life. And at the end of his days, when the Lord came back, what the Lord had blessed him with had increased 1,000%. That's somebody that's on fire for the Lord Jesus. That's somebody that Jesus has permeated every area and every aspect of their lives. That's not just somebody that's in ministry. No, that's somebody driving a truck or driving nails or driving a desk or driving kids to soccer practice. That's any believer who is on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ, that in every aspect of all that they do and everything that their hands find to do, they do it as unto the Lord. And in all that way, their lives are a demonstration of the Lord Jesus Christ to their family, to their friends, to their neighbors, to their coworkers. Whether they receive it or not, it's the reality and the truth of who they are. This second servant now comes in, and he represents those who have that same grace, they have that same gift that's been given to them by the master, but their passion and their persistence, although it's present within their lives, it's not as intense as that first individual. Oh, they love the Lord, there's no doubt about that. But the focus of their Christian life and their commitment isn't as fervent, it's not as zealous as that other one. Consider, if you would, the parable of the four soils. I'm gonna go here just real quick to help you kind of understand where I'm going with this. Forget about the first three soils. Let's go to the fourth soil, the fertile soil. On all of these soils, the same seed was placed out. The seed of the gospel was put in all of them. And what the word says that on that fertile soil, in some areas, it brought forth 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. It depends upon the soil, what the seed does within the life. And in your life and mine, the result of the fruit of our life depends upon us. I'm just gonna say it, it depends upon us. Because what God has done for each one of us, he's not given you some more and you some less and you a little bit more and you a little bit less. No, he's given his grace and his mercy to each one of us without merit, without portion, 
And it's what we do with that that, again, shows the fruit of our life. That first man, because of his passion and his desire to do the will of the master, came back with a thousandfold. That second man, though he loved the master and though he was obedient, there was not the same zealousness, there was not the same drive and passion when in his life, and he came back with an increase, but it was only 500%. Now please hear me out very cleanly here. It's very, very important at this part of the message that we understand what's going on because if we don't get this, then everything that I've said thus far, it's just out the window, okay? There's no use for it. If you're here today or you're listening in and you declare yourself to be a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to understand very clearly each one of us is given the blessing of God, the blessing of salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit within the life of every believer. He's the seal. He's the down payment of God into our lives. He's been placed within our lives to equip us and to empower us to do the work of the master, to be the believer, to be the witness and the testimony for Christ that every one of us are called to be. The great question that's before each one of us today is, if the master returned today, would he find that we've been faithful to the gifts and the callings that he's given us? Regardless of what your particular gift or your particular talent might be, each one of us has received the blessing of the Lord within our lives. What have you done with the blessing? What have you done with what Christ has done in your life? In the race that you are running as a believer, how fervently are you running the race? How much do you desire to win that crown at the end of the race? Or are you going to settle with also ran? Also ran. You and I need to realize the necessity of using the gifts that God's given to us. Yes, our time, our talents, our treasures, definitely that, but also the spiritual gifts that he's given each one of us. We need to be about the business of causing the king's kingdom to grow and to prosper. There's a call in the life of every believer. He's not called a single individual man, woman, or young person into his kingdom simply to come and sit back and enjoy the blessings of the kingdom and enjoy the ride and wait for eternity. He's called for us to work until the master comes again. Occupy till I come. There is a call in each one of our lives and beloved, if we're not about the king's business, then we're gonna find ourselves like that third servant. The first servant, it was a thousand percent. For the others, it was less. You can see Again, that the man was active about the master's business. Even the one that was less, 500%. But he was still active about the master's business. Now we come to that third servant. The third servant, though, although the Lord had blessed him, although he was a servant of the Lord, in our understanding of the parable, I believe that the man had salvation. I believe that he had the presence of the Holy Spirit within his life to equip him and to empower him. However, this man had a twisted understanding of the master's heart. What did he say? He said, I feared you. Because you are an austere man, you collect what you don't deposit, you reap what you do not sow. 
How sad it must have been for that man to live his life. The man lived his entire life fearful of the one who had blessed him, the one that had called him to himself. Totally misunderstanding the greatness of the grace that was so freely given to him. Perhaps he was a man who lived and worked under the law rather than prospered under the truth of grace. He got into the kingdom through an understanding of the law. And man, I've got to do this and I've got to do this and I've got to do this and I've got to do this in order to please my Lord rather than just understanding, man, you are saved by grace. And yes, you are called. You are called to, again, as a workman of the Lord to do good works. There's no doubt about it. But that's not a calling to gain your salvation. That's not even a calling to keep or maintain or hold on to your salvation. That's a calling because you have been blessed by the Lord to live your life to his glory. And he's called each of us for a purpose. Let me read for you here what one commentator, Lawrence Richards, writes in reference to this. He says, for the first two servants... The cost to these servants was simply obedience. They went out and they went to work. Yes, discipleship is costly. We are to use our gifts and our talents until Jesus comes. When the master returned, the working servants discovered this cost was insignificant. The faithfulness of each was commended and each was given opportunities beyond his dreams. Each received far more than he had ever been able to gain for his master. Beloved, God's not gonna be a debtor to any man. You cannot outwork and outbless God. You're not gonna be able to do it. God will bless well beyond whatever we put into the situation. He goes on to say the third servant, even in his failings, is still identified as a servant of the master. The relationship is not in doubt, but this person failed to act as a servant should. He decided not to use the gift he had been given, not to obey the master's command to work. Being a servant for this man cost him nothing. And while the master was away, it cost him nothing except perhaps the uneasiness of knowing that he had been disobedient. But when the master returned, his choice not to obey cost him his reward. Everything that he had hoped for, oh, not heaven, not eternity, no, that's in Christ. But the rewards that the word of God speaks for you and I, that again, we continue to build up for all of eternity, our place, our position in all eternity. We look at our 80, 90, 100 years here and we put so much time and so much effort on these years here of what we can obtain and what we can build up and so often we totally neglect that these 80, 90, 100 years are but a breath, but a moment, a vapor, and eternity is forever. Are you investing in eternity? Where is your investment for all of eternity. So many believers today, they're not walking in the fullness of commitment. So they don't experience the fullness. They don't experience the joy of the Lord. In the end, it cost us much more to choose not to live our lives as disciples than any present cost could ever appear to be. Man, it's gonna take my time. It's gonna 
take my effort. It's going to take this from me. It's going to keep me from doing that. It's going to redirect. It's going to change my mind. You know what? None of that, none of that can be compared to glory. Too many believers today walk without full surrender of their lives. They're disobedient to the call of the master to occupy until he comes. Their Christian lives are mediocre at best. There's no fire, there's no passion for the things of the Lord, and thus there's no fruitfulness within their lives. They walk in fear. They're limited because of their lack of fully trusting God, and thus they're ineffective to the true call of the gospel. They've never been able to grow in their love for the Lord Jesus because they have no true understanding of the grace by which they stand, and so instead they stand in fear. These are the ones they've failed to understand the truth of the hymn writer, Francis Haverengale, back in the 1800s. She wrote that great hymn of the faith, Like a River Glorious. Part of the words of that hymn are, those who trust him wholly find him wholly true. Stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding as he promised, perfect peace and rest. The master speaks to this unprofitable servant and he asks him, and why didn't you put the money in the bank so I would at least had interest? Final outcome, this guy had virtually nothing to set before the master. And the master said, take what he has, give it to the other one. Be careful again. This isn't his salvation. He didn't take his salvation and give the other guy more salvation. No, he took his reward and gave it to that one that again had done so well. This deals with the obedience of servants. Not rather or not, he truly was a servant. And I believe that the blessings that would have been that third man's, they were now gone over to the first man. And I say this in reference to, again, to what Paul declares about that judgment seat of Christ. We spoke about it earlier while still speaking to believers. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, he says that every man's work, he's talking about believers, Every man's work is going to be manifest for the day will declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. But if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he's not speaking about salvation because he continues on. He says, if his work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Beloved, I believe that many believers are going to enter into heaven with the smell of smoke all over them because they've lived their lives. I've got my ticket into heaven, but I'm not about my master's business. He was still a servant but he was an unprofitable one. What about those haters of the master? Well, their end is final. Their, their end is full destruction. Verse 27, he says, bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. And slay them before me. Whatever happened to Jesus, meek and mild, Whatever happened to the fact, oh no, God is a God of love only? No, God is a God of justice and righteousness also. 
And for all those who still stand today with their hands on their hips, looking up at God and saying, you're not the boss of me, the end judgment does come. There's no way around it. Learning more about Jesus is the single most important thing we can do as Christians. As we carefully consider how Jesus lived, we see beautiful examples that can apply to our lives. Though the entire Bible is rich with symbols and images that point to Jesus, the Gospels are grand central station for who Jesus is. Join us each day as Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although the open word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's word from beginning to end. Here's Tracy with more information about our service times here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe you're listening right now in Casa Grande and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. at 6.30 p.m. every Wednesday and Saturday. For more information, call us at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Or log on to theopenword.com and follow the link to the church website. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word.